Welcome to Dub Nation, the official show of the Utah Warriors of Major League Rugby. I am Jerem Jordan alongside Banksy. Look who's on a two-game win streak with a home game Saturday. A big away win in L.A. Never easy to beat L.A. and to beat L.A. in the Coliseum. Massive for these dubs. One of the best wins in team history in the five years. We'll break it down coming up. We are live on the Utah Warriors Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube account. Subscribe to the podcast version on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Got a question, comment, fire away. Here's what's on the rundown. Utah defeats LA. Oh, the champs go down. How about that? It felt good after the playoffs last year. It did. Week six recap. We'll talk about what happened. There were some interesting scores. Uh, Austin goes down for the first time this year. Chaz Ayu of BYU, a safety on the football team, one of those name, image, and likeness guys. We'll chat with him. He's going to hand out, uh, bring the ball to the field, sign some autographs, take some pictures Saturday, go meet him at the game. Uh, we'll preview the matchup with Toronto. Toronto is an interesting team, very similar to the Warriors right now. And uh, we'll talk to Wayne Tarafitti, who helps with the culture of the team. He's the elder uh, of the team. Fun conversation with him coming up. But first, let's recap the game from Sunday. Another slow start, Banksy. In the 21st minute, L.A. goes up 7-0. Billy Meek scores. K. Okay. we've seen this before. L.A. scores early and often. But Cliven Lopser uh, makes it 7-3 in the 25th. But then... Despite not having hardly any possession, Lance Williams, after this great run of play and through multiple phases, scores a try on the far right side to take the lead right before half. This was awesome. It was a great buildup of play and just seeing the field sucking in the defense there. And it could have been Lance. It could have been Mika on the outside. It was just it's what the Warriors have been built on, and it started with the forward play and the defense having to collapse in. Uh, Tyler Fisher was unbelievable, forcing two, three, and four defenders into the ruck. And then the buildup from there, quick ball to Niall Saunders. Uh, the, it sets up right in front of the post. And then it was just mathematics at that point. They had the overlap on the outside. Makini sees it, and it's just a quick through the hands. Ryan James couldn't do enough on defense to stop it, and uh, it was really academic at that point. I love all the subs that are just in the yellow pennies at the end of the field right there, like just chasing it, like, let's go, let's go. Dave Dennis, after halftime, scores a try. LA takes the lead back three minutes in the second half. It's like, ah, the momentum. 54th and 63rd minute, Cliven Lobster makes penalty goals. He's been money with penalty goals so far this year. 68th minute after Utah's up 16 to 12. Taz Smith, the scrum half for LA, scores to make it 19-16. But this is when the Warriors take over, baby. The last 10 minutes is where, last 10, 20 minutes is where we live, right? Quick tap and go by Niall Saunders, who goes basically the length of the 22 to take the lead. This ends up being the game-winning play to go up 21-19. It sets up quick on the run from Thomas Tuaval there. And then the ball comes to the right. And you'll see the penalty awarded. And Saunders is immediately on the mark right here. Sees it quick. Nobody's back. And he takes a quick step to the outside. He's got Mika Cruze there. But just lowers his shoulder and, and takes ownership of it. And a great solo try there from a nine. Dude, like 20 meters. And he goes by like five or six Giltinis. This is one of the plays of the year. Look at the speed. Cuts it up bruises his way into the corner and scores. That ends up being the game-winning try. But in the 75th minute, Lance Williams made it a two-score game and Cliven Lopes attacks on the conversion to go up here 28-19 after a penalty, a knock-on by Ryan James who scored the game-winner in the playoffs last year 
So little redemption here. Lance Williams like, boom, give me this. And he is chi-hooing into the tri-zone. A great swan dive finished as, the, as well there. You know, our loose forwards with Bailey, with Thomas, with Lance, and with Yuri were so active in this game from sideline to sideline, inflicting their will all over the field. And Lance Williams getting the better of it there. And Bailey Wilson as well, setting a single game record for the Utah Warriors, making 25 tackles in that game. 25 tackles in a single game. You want to talk about work rate and being a factor. There it is from the cap leading the way. So an incredible performance all the way around. I think in the first half, he threw up on the field. He was thrown up for about three minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Sick on the field. When you realize, like, there's a couple more tackles he probably would have made in that time, too. Seriously. And oh, by the way, how often do you win when you have 40% possession, 32% territory, and you had to make twice as many tackles as the other team, 150 tackles, and you still won that game? Like, Utah overcame a lot. It was at the end of the first half and and the last 10 minutes where, let's do the math, 25 of the 28 points uh, it feels like came. No, there were nine uh, you know, points in penalty goals, so 19 maybe points at the end of the halves. That was huge. It was massive, and I think it's just a testament to how hard these guys work and how hard they've worked together to build that defensive shape. I mean, L.A. threw absolutely everything in the first 20 minutes at that defensive wall and could not find a way through, even for as creative as that offense can be at times and some of the weapons that they have. And then to be able to maintain that defensive pressure all the way through the 80th minute, and that's what led to the final score from Lance Williams, was it was all defensive line speed. They were still coming up fast. They were pressing L.A. at the gain line, forcing the mistakes, and then able to turn those mistakes into points. It's hard to win on the road, but I throw this win up against the two Seattle wins, against the Austin win on the road to start last season. I think this is one of the best wins on the road that Utah has had in the five years. I think it was amazing. It was a little bit of indication, not the best game, but I think the Warriors were great in that they were engaged for a full 80 minutes, whether they were playing on their heels and weathering a storm or whether they were, you know, playing loose and free like we've come to know this Warriors attack to be. You know, it was a really great showing from all 23 guys on the roster to get it done in L.A. And, uh, you know, take nothing away from this L.A. team. You know, when you've got 42-year-old Rene Ayi, out there throwing the ball around, running down kicks from Mikey Teo, you know, little flick passes out the back door. He was unbelievable, and they, it literally took a 23-man, 80-minute effort to get the job done. Yes, it did, and Utah wins. So first win at L.A., one and two now. Have now won two of three against the Guiltinis. Take a look at some of the game notes. 19 points allowed is tied for fourth fewest in the game in Utah Warriors history. Tremendous performance there. A nine-point win is actually the seventh largest in Utah history. Uh, it's close games. That's how Utah wins typically, unless they're playing Dallas. And it was the first road win of the season after going 0-3 to start. So that's awesome. Um, yeah, it, it was it was amazing. Cliven Lobster as well, fifth in points in MLR. He's crushing it. And uh, we shouldn't note as well, Tyler Fisher, after the game, was suspended two games for a dangerous tackle against LA's Jordan Trainer. So no Tyler Fisher. That was basically the only bad news that came out of this game. And really, it... That was a fourth official penalty given in review. And in the heat of the moment, I don't think there was any malice in it. Was it dangerous? Absolutely. Um, You know, but you could go back and look at some of the other plays and, and, and tackles in that game and put some shoes on the other foot as well. So I don't mind it as long as it's fair and they look at the other side of the ball. And I don't think we've seen that come yet 
because there was a pretty dangerous tackle on Lance Williams that could have easily been as penalized as that tackle from Tyler Fisher. I think it was the hair. It just gets in the way. You know, it's it's like, well, that hair looks no, so nice. The hair's it's never in the way. Tactic. Yeah, exactly. Okay, first 15, only one warrior on it. Uh, what? Um, yeah, I, I thought maybe you'd have another one, but that's all right. That's all right. Niall Saunders is the guy. Niall Saunders is the scrum half of the week. Absolutely earning it, you know. Um you could have put Lance Williams in there with the two try score, but Al Jabori had an incredible game for Houston. You got to give and take somewhere, and I'll take really? the win over players making the team of the week. You know, I'll take the max points out yeah. of LA for this Utah Warriors team than the the recognition from the league. Bailey Wilson at seven, perhaps with twenty five tackles, could have been there. Okay, let's uh, let's look at the scores from around the league. Uh, how about New York taking down San Diego? Okay. This was this was a Eastern prowess over the West week. Uh, Houston defeats Seattle. A little bit of an upset there. We know Houston's a good team. They can quantify it with the win over Seattle. Nola beat Dallas, who played them tough, six-point game. New England beat Toronto, 21-15. Toronto scored late to make that, uh, you know, get a bonus point there. And then Rugby ATL beats Austin by 15. That was the result of the week where I was like, whoa. We thought Austin was the best team playing right now in the league. Rugby ATL said, don't forget about uh, the Rattlers here. Rugby ATL, clearly the class of the East, and they have been for the last couple of years. Every team in the Western Conference lost this week, except your Utah Warriors. So you want to talk about things going our way. Not only do we get the max points out of the game, but it allows us to close the gap to those teams at the top of the table now. So, uh, you know, it's a great thing for the Utah Warriors to have happen. Let's take a look at the table. Speaking of, in the West, Warriors now in fifth, 12 points, but they have a game in hand against the top four. So if the Warriors had played another game, they might be in third. They might be. We'll see. And remember, too, those top three, the, excuse me, three of those top four teams, we get at home on those return matches as well. So it's not like we have to go on the road to Seattle and play or go back down to San Diego we get them at Zions Bank Stadium for the return appointment. So a huge asset there for us to end the season. Then in the East, Rugby ATL with 20 points. New England is the surprise team of the year so far, to me at least. Maybe you feel the same way. With 19 points tied with New York. Nola Gold, uh, you know, at at 11 points. None of the Eastern teams have played uh, six games. However, there are five teams in the West have. So the East will catch up here. They've taken a lot of the bye weeks due to... Worse weather situations, I think. You know, a lot of those Eastern Conference teams had to start the year the way the Utah Warriors did on the road. Uh, you know, you don't want to be playing in a blizzard in the dark uh, on in some of those northeastern locations. So it, oh. it's all it's all going to catch up at the end. But you know, when you look at one, two, three there for the Eastern Conference, Rugby ATL, New England, Rugby New York, I wouldn't be surprised if it carries that way through the end of the season. Well, in Quincy, New England hosted Toronto, and uh, I talked to preparing for the Toronto game. Uh, you know, uh, Brock Smith of Toronto, their uh, their PR guy, and he was like, "A lot of us were outside. My laptop shut down. <laughs> he said it was snow, cold, rain. So, hopefully, those guys will enjoy the sixty degree weather that Harriman will provide coming up this uh, Saturday, which would be awesome. Okay, let's check out the schedule for Week Seven. Let's go. Utah hosting Toronto. We'll preview that coming up. L.A. hosting San Diego. That'll be a fun Western Conference battle. Austin, New England. This is a really good one. This is this New England playing well in the East against Austin. Dallas uh, hosting Seattle. 
NOLA hosting, uh, hosting New York, and then DC hosting Rugby ATL. The interesting matchup for me here is the Dallas Jackals taking on the Seattle Seawolves. The Dallas Jackals still looking for that first win in franchise history. They've gotten better and better every week. We saw the makings of a really good team. Even in the big loss here, the structure and the foundation of that team is really sound, and Seattle are not in good shape now as we head into the middle part of the season. So this could be ripe for the picking from Dallas. And then that matchup between the Gilgronis at home and the Free Jacks, we'll see if it's a contenders or pretenders situation for Austin. Do they drop back-to-back games and we kind of see some chinks in the armor, or do they bounce back and show that they are the class of the Western Conference still? Yep, big game. Big game that will tell us a lot. Okay, our first of two guests today is BYU safety Chaz Ayu, who's a real good player. He's one of those four players signed for name, image, and likeness associated with the Utah Warriors. He's, he's a Utah kid, and here's my conversation with Chaz. All right, Chaz, welcome to the Utah Warriors, man. Uh, it's great to have you on Dub Nation. Man, I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. This is, uh, we talked to Jaron Hall a couple weeks ago, but this is a melding of my two worlds, man. I know you from the day job and the, and the second job here with the Utah Warriors, which is awesome. You're a great dude. I'm so excited you're involved with the Utah Warriors because uh, I, I think your brand and your values align with the Warriors. But ultimately, what went into the decision for you to be like, yeah, I want a name image likeness deal with this professional rugby team? Man, I mean, it's a Utah team. You know, there's not very many pro teams here in Utah. And, you know, I think it'd be cool to be a part of something like the Utah Warriors. You know, it's a great program. I've heard nothing but great things. Um, I actually know a couple of the local boys that are on the on the team. So, you know, it's pretty cool to get reconnected with them. And, you know, be able to represent, you know, sports in Utah, which I think, you know, you know, I've been an advocate for a long time about sports in Utah, how it's always been knocked. So um, I'm excited that I get this chance to, you know, represent good athletes here in the state of Utah. When it comes to real estate and the state in general, I'm always like, oh, yeah, it's terrible here. Don't move here. <laughs> it's like our <laughs> little thing, right? Uh, yeah. Utah's, Utah's awesome. And a lot of people are figuring that out, right? Just, just go look at Zillow uh, if you want to know that. Who do you know on the team already? Uh, it, what was his name? Uh, I want to say Tonga. Tomasi Tonga. Tomasi Tonga. Yep. I know him from high school. Uh, we didn't like know, know each other, but we know yeah. each other, you know, um, we used to follow each other on, on Instagram back in the day. But, uh, that was one guy that when I was looking through the team roster, I was like, oh man, that's crazy that he made it all the way to the pro level and yep. he's playing for the hometown team, you know? So it's cool to see you guys like that. Make it. It's super cool. Like imagine all of a sudden an NFL team in Provo any Provo kid would be like, you're playing for the team in Provo? Like, that's what happened yeah. with Tomasi, who he scored a try the last two games after being in the starting lineup, which is pretty cool. Yeah, okay, I've so, seen the highlights. Yeah, no, he's legit, dude. Um, I would love to see him at, like, fullback for BYU yeah. or tight end or something, right? Man, um, he can do some big things like that. Yes. So, remind people, so you're a safety for BYU, obviously. Uh, you're a four-star kid coming out of Timfew, and uh, you've, you've made plays when you've been on the field. Been on the field's the operative word because last year you were banged up quite a bit. How, how are you recovering? Because I'm looking forward to you playing this fall. Man, it's a process. It's real slow. You know, uh, had to undergo a couple surgeries here this offseason alone. So just taking it really day by day at this point. Um, you know, just trying to get healthy for fall camp so I can, you know, come back and contribute like I've been able to in the past and hopefully get a full season in. Absolutely. Absolutely. BYU needs you uh, at safety. Let's go, baby. It's, it's fun to see the connection of Cougars with this team, too. So the, the uh, you know, the CEO and the owner, Kimball Kerr, he played at BYU. Uh, you know, Sean Davies, one of the assistant coaches, a former BYU rugby player. Calvin Whiting, uh, one of the centers uh, that plays with Tomasi Tonga. He is 
uh, a Cougar. And then, uh, of course, Paula CK, former BYU football player, of course, rugby play. So it's awesome. There are Utes as well uh, on the team. And then there's guys from like all over the world. Um, so connecting with BYU is awesome. But I know I know you probably grabbed like Jaron the black options in clothing, not the red options that say Utah for obvious reasons, right? Yeah. You know, I could I wouldn't get I wouldn't make it through the locker room with red on, you know, so I can have little hints of it, but I can't have a whole jersey or nothing like that. I know. I, I don't I don't dare wear my red around campus, but, uh, you know, I'm up <laughs> the Warriors wherever with the, with the black options, which is great as a BYU guy, too. We're talking to Chaz IU safety from BYU, one of those players that the Utah Warriors signed uh, uh, NIL, name, image, likeness deals with. Kingsley Suamataia feels like he's a guy that could play rugby, too. Uh, you know, and he'd be oh, in yeah. the in the scrum. He'd probably uh, kick butt in that, right? Oh, man, that dude can do anything. You know, he'd be the most – he'd probably be the fastest big dude out there. <laughs> he's, he's, he's a freak. He's so. amazing. Remind me of your height and weight, and I'll do my best to put you in what rugby position I think would be best for you. My height right now, I'm 6'1", 212, about Six. that area. Yep. You know, so, you know, I was – I don't know what the position is called, but the outside, like the wing, I don't know if that's what it's called. Yeah, yeah. In high school, that's what – they always try to recruit me to come and play wing for him, but – I never made it to the field. <laughs> who, who did? Like a club in Provo? A uh, club down here in, in uh, Saratoga Springs. I I, I want to say they were called the Warriors, actually, or something like that. I can't remember what it's called, but they had a little rugby team out here that my football team played with. Yeah. And so I never got to play with them, but they they did pretty good. Yes. I think you'd be a winger. Yep. They're, they're fast. They have good hands. They need to make tackles in space. Um, hmm. I think that's you. I think I think that fits. You could also play center where you're a little like thicker for a six, one guy with speed, um, mm-hmm. you know, like a Paul CK type Paul's a little thicker of, of course, but yeah, I think you'd fit in pretty good, man. So you keep going down this football route, but there are guys that have converted from football to rugby, uh, which is interesting. There's a handful of guys. So who knows, right? Man, who knows? You know, if the game falls away from me and I need to <laughs> fall back on something, I might be right here back in Utah Warriors uniform. So let's go. <laughs> Okay, so this uh, this Saturday against Toronto, uh, you're you're gonna be the guy at the game, I assume. Bring bring the ball out and signing some autographs. Is that what's happening? Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Gonna be there. Gonna interact with the fans. Hopefully, get uh, you know, like you said, that Cougar connection, that crossover. Maybe get some football fans to come out and wear a little bit of red for one time uh, and come support the Warriors. I think it'll be a lot of fun. It will be a lot of fun, and you're getting 61 degree weather. Uh, Jaron Hall, I think, got like 40 degree weather. So <laughs> you got the All you right. got the luckier end of that. Yeah, as long as the sun is out, I'm good. <laughs> Tell us about what it means um, to play in front of a crowd that boosts you in a game. Because the Utah Warriors fans, there were 3,600 fans in that venue out in Zion's Bank Stadium. It's, it's not about, like, how many thousand fans you have. To me, it's about how the fans feel in that venue. Because um, you played in, in big stadiums. You've also played a game, like, at Georgia Southern last year where a ton of BYU fans showed up in Georgia Southern was excited about it as well. They were throwing like burritos at you guys on the sideline or something weird. <laughs> yeah. But like what the Warrior Nation does in Harriman is pretty special and you're going to get a chance to see it. So what's it like to play in a venue that, although a little quaint, can feel really big with the fans? Yeah. I mean, it's all about the energy that the fans give off. You know, uh, us as players, like we we're playing in stadiums with zero fans and we we're playing in stadiums with 70,000 fans, you know, and so – um, when it comes down to it, it's not about how many people are there. It's how interactive they are. You know, if they're in the stands going crazy, you can hear them and you can feed off that energy. That's the biggest thing as a player to know that. I mean, when you're on the field, you know, you're obviously an entertainer. You don't 
think of yourself as one, but that's what it is, you know? And so to know that your fans are having fun with you, you know, kind of just start, you kind of start playing off each other. Um, and, you know, you saw it a lot at the BYU games last year. And, you know, I believe that, you know, from what I've heard from these games, that that's what's going on over here. So I'm excited to to witness the the energy that goes on inside these stadiums because that's the biggest thing about it is just how you guys interact. It's amazing. And it's a show. And it's it's so fun. I can't wait. It's going to be uh, it's going to be great. Talking to Chaz Ayu here on Dub Nation. Um, in terms of uh, your history with rugby, you mentioned that you were kind of recruited and asked to come play on a club. You never did. But what do you what do you know about rugby? What do you what do you know about the game and how it works and whatnot? Man, you know, my only experiences with rugby, really watching rugby was uh, watching my teammates in high school play when they play on our field in the back back of the school. And, you know, I'd watch them play and it looked like a lot of fun. Um, I know that the linemen love playing rugby because they get to carry the ball a little bit. They get to run the ball and score some points. And I think that's every lineman's dream in every game is, you know, to get the opportunity to score. So, you know, that was some of the biggest takeaways that I took from it. Uh, my cousin Gabe Summers, who's uh, the D lineman here at BYU, he, he was really good at rugby because mm. um, he's, he's deceivingly fast for his size. He's a big dude. Yeah. He's fast. And so he really excelled in the game of rugby. So, I'd always hear him bragging about his stats, uh, you know, when we got to school on Monday um, after the games and stuff. So, um, but it, it looks like a fun game, man. It looks like high intensity. The conditioning on it, I don't know if I can hang with the conditioning in it, but, you know, <laughs> it looks like a fun one. I bet Gabe was a prop, and I bet he was good because he's got those quick feet, like you talk about, that burst. You yeah. need the strength, but you also need to be able to carry the ball and and get up the field. Yeah, and the conditioning is interesting because – Football, you guys have you are conditioned a certain way. You're conditioned, especially as a safety, you got to run 53 yards sideline to sideline, but for max 10 to 12 seconds, maybe right? At a yeah, time. and that's like the longest it gets is 10 to 12 seconds. Yeah, um, and then you've got to chase some guys down. You could play fullback as well. The fullback is what he's the safety essentially, making sure nothing mm-hmm. gets behind him. Good kicking game required as well. How's your how's your kicking skills? Man, I was a punter back in the day. So, you know, I can, you? Put a, I can put some air on it. Yeah. What? Like, yeah. how old were you when you punted? I was punted all through high school. It's actually on my highlights, my high school. Really? Punter. I didn't know this. Yeah. I love punting, man. I mean, I wasn't the best at it, but if I could get a, a nice spiral on it, get it about 50 yards, I was cool. 50 yards is amazing. Um, wow. You could definitely play fullback, okay? <laughs> like, you would just be, you would be 11 or 14 or 15. Those are the numbers. Okay. I'm going to have to watch those positions. Which is interesting. In, in football, I almost wish we had this sometimes, honestly. Rugby's awesome. Each number is attached to a position in the starting 15 and some hmm. of the subs. Soccer traditionally had this. Like, if you're the number nine, you're like the striker who scores. If you're the six, you're the holding midfielder. Like, they used to do that. They don't do that. Oh. But, like, in football, that'd be interesting, right? If you were this number, that's that position. That'd be yeah. That's what it is in rugby. Yeah, I mean, in the NFL, it kind of used to be like that, where if you were safety, you had to be in the 40s. Um, right, because that range. Yeah. Right. But, I mean, they've changed it now. Now it's like free-for-all. But, yes. yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. And, they've yeah, they've changed it to where, even in the NFL, they're like, okay, single-digit numbers for, you know, what we're like, is Kyle Van going to play three? You know, as yeah. three? I don't, I don't know. Back to the number? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cold. Back to uh, kind of the, the connection with the Warriors. There's certain values, right? Um, that have to do with community and whatnot. You brought that up. When when the Warriors reached out, was this a no-brainer, or did it take a sec to sort of understand what the Warriors are about, and that and then it made sense? You know, it was a no-brainer. You know, for me, you know, especially I had seen that uh, Jaron and Kingsley had uh, committed to to working with these guys too. Um, 
but I mean, just the organization in itself, you know, when you come from Utah, um, I think people who have grown up in Utah know that every team here in Utah doesn't necessarily represent it like BYU does, but you know, you carry the name of Utah and there's always going to be uh, something behind it. You know, they're always going to automatically think of, you know, the dominant religion around here and the type of people that live here as well. So, you know, I know that the Utah Warriors organization is, they're not representing the church, but they're representing the state of Utah in, in, sure. in an amazing way. And, you know, and I, I, stay, I like what they stand for, um, you know, especially the game that they represent. You know, I've watched a, um, a lot of people, heard a lot of rugby talkers come and talk to my football teams and stuff. So, you know, what they represent is something that I like to stand behind as well. I think rugby brings together more people from different backgrounds, races, religions, countries than any sport that exists um, together on the same team. Cause you literally have guys from like multiple, there's, there's a Namibian from uh, you know, from Africa on the team, there's Irish, English, South African as well. Um, you know, there's Kiwis and Australians and Tongans and Samoans and Fijians. And, and it's amazing. I, and they come together. Uh, under one banner, which is super cool. I know you experience a lot of that with uh, BYU football as well, which is awesome. So, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to have you at the stadium. And uh, I, I know you as a guy. I know that you your values are right there with the Utah Warriors as well. So I uh, hope you enjoy Saturday. It's going to be a lot of fun to uh, interact with the fans and bring the game ball out. Yeah, I'm super excited, man. Never done anything like this, so it'll be a good time for everybody. Okay, come meet Chaz Ayu on Saturday. Uh, come get his autograph, a picture. And, uh, you know, are, are you going to make some swag as well? That's part of the deal that you could uh, benefit off of, perhaps? Man, I'm hoping to. You know, there's talks of some swag getting involved. And you know me, right. I love my swag. So <laughs> you, You've got that drip. Let's go. Got Let's to. go. Got to have that. <laughs> okay, Chaz, we appreciate the time, man. Best of luck. We'll see you Saturday. Yeah, I appreciate it. See you Saturday. Chaz is awesome. Make sure you uh, meet him on Saturday and uh, get an autograph, get a picture. Great to have Chaz uh, coming up in Harriman at Zions Bank Stadium Saturday against the Toronto Arrows. So great to have so many of those personalities around the game of rugby, crossing the different codes and uh, and bringing more attention to the Utah Warriors. And it's going to be fun Saturday. Uh, make sure you get your tickets. Come see the Warriors at home. Last time they set an MLR record, 69 points. Let's go. Best home field advantage in Major League Rugby. Go to uh, warriorsrugby.com and get your tickets now to see Dub Nation in action. Okay, let's preview the matchup with said uh, Toronto Arrows, which we affectionately call the Canadian B team. It's coming up Saturday, 2.30 Mountain Time. You can go to the game if you're going to watch it. Uh, it's on KMYU, the Rugby Network, kslsports.com. We've got the call on this one with Ashley Burge. On the radio as well, ESPN 700 and 960. St. Patrick's Day game, uh, you know, Paul Mullen on display in a graphic this week, which is pretty fun. So uh, come come hang out and watch Utah take on the Warriors. A couple of storylines in this one, Banksy. Two-game uh, win streak coming in for Utah after losing the first three. Since 2021, Utah 7-2 at home. Don't forget, 36-08 showed up at the first home game. And then the Warriors have the one win against Toronto. Uh, it, it was last season by 15 Gave up 64 in 2019, which was the MLR record before. So that that game, I know the Warriors didn't like giving up 64, of course, but uh, should be interesting. Both two and three, both fifth in their respective conferences. I think this is going to be a big one for both teams because it could either turn into a statement for the Utah Warriors in saying, hey, don't count us out as we continue to climb the ladder in the Western Conference. 
against a Toronto Arrows team that is looking to find their identity this year as a team. They haven't really clicked in who they are and what they're going to be. What's the personality of the team? We've seen it from the Warriors now as they've rebounded after that initial start to the season. It hasn't clicked for Toronto yet, but this is a very well-coached and very technically sound team. They always structure things really, really well. When you have players that have the experience that they do through years of MLR now, as well as playing for their national team there in Canada, I think 13 of their 15 starters uh, the last time we played them were on the Canadian national team. That's how significant it is playing the Toronto Arrows. You are basically playing the Canadian B-side. You're playing an, a, a light international team when these guys come to town. So uh, a lot of quality ball from Toronto. Don't don't expect this to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination. No, I think it's a fun matchup. I really do. I think it's good. And uh, shout out to Toronto who, who helped carry the league last year by still playing in Atlanta. And then... Remember, they were the, uh, uh, you know, Ontario Arrows uh, a couple years ago, and they came and played in 2018 in exhibition against Utah. So they've come out here a bunch, which is super cool, and we're looking forward to the matchup. Keep an eye on Lucas Rumble, Mike Shepard, Sam Malcolm's the fly half. Those first two are forwards who are very physical and fast. So it uh, should be a, a fun matchup coming up Saturday. Their structure is built a lot like the Utah Warriors as it starts in the forwards pack, and so – uh, I expect a lot of that physicality through the first 20 minutes to see how it settles out and to see if they can find the platform that they're looking for. Um, but the Utah Warriors are clicking right now on both sides of the ball, and we get the home field. So it's going to be tough for Toronto. I wouldn't want to be an arrow right now. Yeah, let's go. And it should be good weather. It should be fun. Okay, don't forget to sign up for uh, Junior Warriors. This program's fantastic. It's going great. Junior Warriors programs, the uh, the Touch League has registration closed right now, but you can get in on the Utah Warriors pregame clinics, get your kids tickets to the game and more. Go to junior.warriorsrugby.com, connecting the state of Utah through rugby. Get your kids involved in the game we play in heaven, and that is the great game of rugby. I love it. I can't wait to play there. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, everyone can pass a rugby ball, hopefully in heaven. You know, it'll be great. Everyone can kick a 50-22. You know, it'll be, it'll be <laughs> yeah, our second guest of the day is the Warriors' Cal Mwatua, uh, a guy that I've known for a long time. He's great. You know him too, Banksy. Uh, Wayne Tarafiti, who uh, used to be an assistant coach at BYU. It's been fun to integrate him into uh, the Warriors and, and bring his great culture. He's a guy who's battled cancer as well in his life. Here's Banksy's conversation with Wayne. Joined now by Coach Wayne Tarafiti. Kia Coach Tenako. Welcome. Kia brother. Thanks for having me. So uh, uh, this is a korero I've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, to have you here with us on Dub Nation. Let's talk first about your journey to Utah, to BYU, and what ended up being one of the most dominant franchises in all of college rugby. How does that happen for a kid from New Zealand? Yeah, interesting story. So, uh, so I went to BYU Hawaii, where I met my wife, uh, and then after graduating from college there, we ended up going back to New Zealand for about ten years. Um, we decided to move back up here to the US because her her parents weren't doing too well health wise. Her mother, uh, so we actually ended up in Arizona for the first little while, a place called Pace in Arizona, way out in the middle of nowhere. Man, it was a big change uh, for me coming from home from New Zealand, but uh, the 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 reason why we're there was the, was the purpose, right? To go and look after my mother-in-law, lovely lady. Um, she passed 
a couple of months into that stay. Unfortunately, um, my wife and my family were all there. So we got to be with her for a couple of three months. And then we had to sort of figure out, well, I thought we were going back home. Uh, but but apparently not. My wife had different uh, different decisions going on there. And I was quite happy with staying. So I went to Utah to visit some family. I uh, loved it. Uh, I thought it was a good place. Arizona was too hot, mate. Too hot. And so uh, went to Arizona, nice and uh, sorry, to, to Utah, nice and green, caught up with family. And I thought this could be a good place for us to get going. And so we moved to Utah. Uh, I was actually down at BYU on campus and they were playing touch rugby. Uh, and back then I could still move around a little bit. So I got out there and uh, started getting out and throwing the ball around with a few of the boys and, and uh, asked about their rugby program. And uh, Jared Aikenhead was running the show then. Uh, David Smith was on a little hiatus in Samoa. And so I said, listen, I'm here, man. I would, I'd love to get involved. And, uh, and sort of that was the beginning of uh, my relationship with uh, BYU and, uh, and just sort of took it from there. It was something that kept me sane, uh, knowing that I wasn't going to be going back to New Zealand to live. So I just got involved with uh, a passion of mine, which is, which is rugby and rugby league. Uh, and then just sort of went from there, man. And, uh, you know, a good 13 and a half, 14 years down at BYU. And, yeah, we were blessed, man. We had some great players. We, we, we won some championships. And uh, it was a fun time, bro. So that's sort of what got me to Utah, BYU rugby specifically. Uh, and it was a great journey. Loved it. I loved everything about it. Uh, and then it was time to sort of move on. Unfortunately, I got, I got sick, uh, which sort of stopped everything. Uh, but... Uh, you know, I started working with uh, Kimball back then, um, and that was that was obviously fun and enjoyed it. And him and I have remained close friends ever since. And then he came up with this crazy idea of having a professional, semi-professional rugby program. And uh, here we are today, man, talking about the Warriors. Well, and several players, of course, that have come through your program and under <laughs> your tutelage. You know, at the three different levels of rugby in Utah, there's three real programs of note, right? There's Highland at the high school level. There's Park City Haggis at the club level winning a national championship. And then there's BYU rugby. And, you know, the, the, the roads have all led through those three programs through the years. When did you know you had something special down there on campus with an all-student, basically extracurricular program to build that into the high-profile unit that it's become? Well, you know, we were definitely up against it. Uh, we, we knew we could play rugby, uh, but Cal Berkeley was the um, – was the benchmark, right? Um, and they had set their benchmark. We knew that we wanted to get as close as we could to them to at least compete at that level. Um, we knew we had something special after uh, 2008 when we got an absolute shellacking in the uh, in the finals of the National Collegiate Championship game. 59-7, Banksy, that score will never go away. That'll be embedded in my head. We got an absolute hiding against arguably probably the best, one of the best collegiate teams that uh, that was around. I would say that that particular Cal team could probably be a lot of the men's professional teams back then. They were that good. Um, and so we redirected, we reshifted, and, and we got involved and said, all right, that's not going to happen again. What are we going to do differently? Um, and we committed that summer that we would change the way in which we approached uh, rugby at BYU. Now, we brought in some uh, interesting players, interesting in the fact that they are part of the Warriors now. Sean Davies, we brought him and Dylan Luban, as well as uh, a Paul Lasiki. I've heard of him. He's all right. Yeah, you may have heard of him. 
And 2009 was uh, the year we won our first national championship. And that trip wasn't easy. Uh, we had to go through, jump through quite a few hoops just to get to there. <coughs> and, um, and we got there and won our first national championship. And I thought, man, this is something special that we have here because against all odds, we made it happen. Uh, and um, after getting thrashed the year before, we came back. Uh, we made it through some huge obstacles. To get to the semifinals, we had to travel to uh, Arkansas, Marriott, uh, sorry, excuse me, Georgia, Marietta, Georgia. It took us five plane trips to get there. <laughs> and so we ended up going to um, Alabama and then driving to Atlanta because that's all we could afford to do. And so, uh, we got there. We played some tough games against Arkansas State um, to qualify us for the semifinals against San Diego State the following week. So those games were hard. Those were tough. Uh, and then we ended up playing Cal in the finals. Uh, we were two men down uh, prior to the championship game. We got two men in the bin during the game. We're down to 13 players. Uh, and we scored with 13 players. And I looked at Smith. I'm going, we're going to win this championship, man. This might happen. We're going to make history tonight. And as it played out, we, you know, we won. Sean Davies was the uh, player of the match for their first national championship. And he's now one of the coaches at the uh, Utah Warriors. A lot of special connections between uh, what you've been able to put together at BYU and now what the Warriors are trying to build with many of the same, you know, cultural cues and priorities in the community, which brings us to your current position as um, I guess a special advisor to the Warriors, a cultural advisor back home, the, the Kaumatua, the, the, the almost a, a chiefly kind of position, the ancestry that goes along with it, but still bringing all of those traditional cues to American rugby for a lot of fans whose only introduction to Modi culture is watching the All Blacks do the Haka. Yeah, uh, that's a great question, Macy. I mean, um, trying to find how that passage works has been interesting. I mean, the cultural value is is within me. It's it's part of who I am. I bring that to the table. Uh, the Komatua role, we discussed this in year one uh, with Coach Alf Daniels. It's a role that's significant in most teams back home in New Zealand because the identity of each team is, is critical to their success. Um, and and I'm, I'm from the Waikato, so I'm a Chiefs fan, have been for years. Uh, and for a couple of years there when they were very successful, that was ingrained in their, in their makeup as a team. Their cultural identity was critical. Now, every team, every Super Rugby team has a cultural identity, whether it's the Maori culture or the Pacific Island culture, it exists. And so taking that and using that sort of background, that history with the Utah Warriors, I mean, it's, it's interesting that they're called Warriors. I mean, most Polynesians can uh, relate to the Warrior emblem and what it stands for. And so, you know, Kimball and I, as I say, we've been close friends for a long time and, and um, I'm trying to get involved post the cancer battle. The only thing I could really offer was this, uh, this cultural identity role. Um, and a Komatua is, in uh, interpretation, is a respected elder from that iwi, from that whanau. Um, and it's not self-appointed, it's appointed by the people. Uh, so every year uh, I meet with Kimball and the coaches and I say, you guys, you guys sweet with me, still being around and, and offering what I can when I can. 
Uh, and overwhelmingly, it's been yes. So we did that again with uh, with Pitt and, and Brandon Sparks and the other coaches and say, hey, uh, I'm quite happy to step away if unless you guys want me around. And they go, no, definitely want you around. So it's been good for me because I stay connected with rugby and the community. Um, I get to identify the true value of culture within the team, uh, maintain that mana that comes with this role. Um, and then, and then of course, understanding the history and the overall culture of Utah Warriors from day one. Um, I was involved in the initial recruitment of coaches. Um, that's where I could help and, and provide some, uh, some assistance for Kimball then. And so I understand the history. I understand the culture. And so, um, Having that has been important. Uh, my role is to go out and move, just meet with these guys before and after games. What's going on in their lives? Welcome to Utah. Um, the rugby is what it is. The X's and O's, uh, they have a great coaching staff and a high-performance staff that take care of that. But if things aren't good at home, mate, they're going to struggle on the field. And so uh, I'm lucky to make those connections. In fact, the three newest recruits, foreigners, uh, Nile, uh, Jamie and, and Caleb, we met last week, went to lunch, took them to a traditional Polynesian feed here in Utah, Chakarama. <laughs> uh, That's that, old school, coach. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, bro. It's more about uh, quantity than quality. Uh, but we had a good catch up, right? And uh, I said, fellas, here's the deal, man. I'm, I'm here to support you as a, as a person. The rugby playing stuff, that's with you and the coaches and the organization. Uh, but I know for a fact that if you guys are good at home and your experience, your overall experience is good, A, you'll refer the Warriors, which is a big part of recruiting guys, obviously. But more importantly, you'll enjoy experience. And if you're enjoying your experience, then your rugby will play it on a Saturday or a Sunday. That's fantastic. I love hearing that. And the word you used is mana for, you know, people that aren't familiar with the Polynesian cultures. You know, mana is something that, translates through Tongan, Hawaiian, Samoan, Modi, Fijian. It is that experience. I think the closest word we have to it in English is probably wisdom, but yeah. it's more than that. You know, it's, it's the, the weight of having been there and having seen it and being able to pass on that knowledge and that wisdom to the next generation. You know, you've got the four stripes on your shoulders there clearly in that shirt. And I think that culture that's been developed with, of course, your leadership and guidance has been crucial to what we've been able to build here in Utah. So what do you see as the next step in your role as it continues to evolve and getting involved personally with these guys without sounding corny? almost as a, as a rugby guru, you know, not with just with your rugby IQ, but with managing the weight and expectations of playing the game at a high level and, and supporting these guys. Yeah, I think the key word is supporting them, right? Um, uh, the rugby game itself has changed considerably. Uh, these guys are primed athletes. They, they understand what their roles and responsibilities are. But just like you and I, Banksy, if, if, if things aren't going well external to the game, it'll show on the game day. You know, I've always believed in a saying, my dad's always told me this, and this will either come back to haunt people or it's a good thing. Whatever you do in private will reveal itself in public, right? Uh, Your dad sounds like my dad. Yeah, exactly, right? <laughs> so he says to me, if you're messing around at school, guess what? When the results come out, I'll see them. That's public. Um, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, then we get to celebrate those same results in public. Um, that's the same with uh, the rugby. You know, this is their job. Um, but if everything is going good, if the family is well, 
if, if they understand these four stripes, the community, the respect, the family, and the tradition, then their overall experience here at Utah will be critical to their rugby success, ideally still here in Utah. But if they go from here to somewhere else, they should be able to, and we hope they'll take that same sort of mana with them based on the community, the respect, the family and tradition. You know, I was trying to explain to the new guys that I said, listen, playing away the first three games is what it is. It's, it, you know, depending on where you go, Seattle's a big deal. But when you come home to play here, you'll know you're at home. Uh, and last, you know, two weeks ago, that certainly lived up to that tag because we broke all sorts of records on and off the field, right? Um, so it's a good place to be. I like it when I see the players and they have a big smile on their face and go, you know, Fitz Vanicola used to call me what a co-martyr is called. It's called Koro, right? Which is an older, respected uh, gentleman. I'm older. I don't know about the respect part, but I'm definitely older. Um, and, and I taught the guys how to say, just simply say kia ora and what it meant. So, you know, when I see Paul Mullen, he yells out to me, he goes, kia ora, and I laugh and go, kia ora, brother. That means we have an instant connection. Uh, and they say, despite him being Irish and me being Māori, in this particular instance, we're warriors for the Utah Warrior Club. So we say kia ora. I say kia ora. I greet you with the same thing because that is interpreted as what we call the kaitiaki, the, the guardians of that stadium, that whenua, that land. Um, and we use that at BYU as well. We said, listen, when everyone comes here, they're going to get the best of us. And we showed that by way of haka. Uh, we performed that with pride. Uh, we're not necessarily doing that here at the Utah Warriors, but everybody that comes here to Zion's Bank Stadium will know who they run into when they come and play with the Warriors. So my job is to maintain that mana, help them understand and appreciate where they are and the experience they have. And I asked the guys, I asked both Jamie, Niall and Blake, I said, what's the experience been like so far? And they go, honestly, exceeded my expectations. And I go, that's what I want to hear, bro. That's, that's exactly all you can hope for, right, from your position? Yeah. I think the Hawaiians have probably the most beautiful way to say it. Obviously, in New Zealand, we say kia ora. In Samoa, we say ta'alofa. Um, we say malo. But the Hawaiians, their word for spirit is ha. And so somebody that has spirit, they say aloha or with spirit. That's why their name for the white man when he settled was haole, because it means somebody without spirit. So when we share aloha or when we say kia ora, when we do in, in New Zealand, when we, you know, share and greet each other with the hongi, we are sharing that spirit, that transfer of love from one to another. And I really think at the core of what every great sports team is, not just rugby, but every great sports team, that spirit and that share, that bond is really uh, in, intrinsic to, to what all great teams have. So thank you for sharing that piece of the culture with Warriors Nation, because I don't think a lot of people have heard or understand that side of the spiritual part of our game, you know? And it really is a spirit. And unless you've played the game, you don't really understand that bond that connects us all together. Absolutely, bro. And that's, when I said at BYU, I said, listen, you will forget a lot of people you went to class with. You'll never forget the guys you played rugby with uh, because there's that, uh, there's that spirit that comes with it, right? I, I would even argue on any given day that that, that cultural value, that mana, that spirit, uh, will mean more in the latter, latter minutes of a game 
then the answer's are no's. Because if I can look to the side on both sides and I know my bro's got my back and I know that he's in the fight with me, um, then we know uh, that we're going to take care of business. And, you know, uh, last year the Warriors proved that, um, you know, the last 20 minutes in the past used to be everybody else's ticket to get past the Utah Warriors. Now they know they're playing a team that plays for 80-plus minutes, which is scary. Uh, and they and they proved that last Sunday against L.A. L.A.'s not an easy team to beat, period. But to beat them at home is impressive. So Incredible performance. And I think Lance Williams' quote where he said, you know, sometimes you have to go to that dark place. I think that place is instinctual. It, it speaks to that warrior spirit where you know the man to your left and your right are they ready to bleed for you? And, and you can you can go into the trenches knowing that you're going to get you do- the job done with your brothers. Okay. Coach, I could talk to you absolutely all day, but it looks like we're running up on time here. So we'll have to have you back on again. I absolutely love seeing you around. It's great to have you involved. An absolute legend in not just Utah sport, but in rugby in America. Thank you so much for being here, Coach Wayne Tarafiti. Brother, I appreciate you, man. Go Warriors and Senate. I'll see you down there and uh, continue to success and the rest of the community here in Utah. I appreciate you, brother. Kia ora, Coach. Kia bro. Such a great chance to talk with Coach, to talk culture, to talk rugby. I could have spoken with Coach for hours, and uh, what an amazing corridor with him. Kia ora, Coach. Thank you for so, so much for being on Dub Nation. You'll see him walking around Zions Bank Stadium, interacting with the players, interacting with the fans. If you want to be part of Dub Nation and join us for the best home field advantage, In Major League Rugby, uh, season ticket packages are still available. Go to warriorsrugby.com and get all the information. Single game tickets, multiple game packages, and of course, the best deal in town, season ticket packages available. Go to warriorsrugby.com to get it. Well, come hang out this Saturday. Uh, Whether it's in person or on KMYU, Rugby Network, kslsports.com, ESPN 700, ESPN 960. It's going to be a great time, great weather. Chaz Ayu's going to be there. Wayne Tata Fitzy's going to be there. We're going to be there. It's going to be a co with the Panthers always there, rolling around on his motorcycle on the uh, turf there. It's going to be a great time. Come hang out with us. Hopefully everyone has a uh, great March Madness weekend as well. Hopefully your brackets are doing great. St. Patrick's Day. This, this is this may be the best weekend of sports uh, we've got here, which is pretty awesome. So shout out to everybody. Hopefully we'll see you soon. That'll do it for us. Like and share this episode of Dub Nation. Follow the Utah Warriors on social media. For Chaz Ayu, Wayne Tadafiti, Mason Benson, Billy the producer, and Banksy, I'm Jerem Jordan. Go Warriors!